I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to On the Bench. I'm your host, Josh Newberg. I've got Brennan Sinone here with me for a very special Sunday morning taping of On the Bench. Brendan, good morning. Woo! 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 It's not just special because it's Sunday. It's special because Florida State held their first scrimmage of the spring on Saturday. It was a morning scrimmage, right? Yes, it, it kind of went a little long and went into the afternoon, but it did start in the morning, technically. Yeah. So is that kind of weird? They, they, they practice in the evening, but then they go and scrimmage in the mornings? You know, Josh, it's all about kind of mixing it up, keeping guys on their toes. You got to be prepared for any type of scenario. So, you know. That is what Dylan told. Dylan Gibbons did say that when I, I asked him about um, the difference between practicing at night and scrimmaging in the morning. And that was his point. Coach well, does know, like to make them uncomfortable. In the, in the fall, they practice in the mornings, but they scrimmage in the evening. Okay. So it's just, you know, it's just switch it up on them. You got to keep them guessing. So through how many practices was it? Five practices? Well, I think the scrimmage was seven. Uh, seven. So yeah, in my brain, I asked like, Adam Fuller the other day, I'm like, oh, you guys are a third of the way through spring. And as I'm asking the question, I'm like, well, you're actually halfway through. I mean, they're they're at the halfway point pretty much. Uh, once, once they're midway through practice on Tuesday, they'll be halfway over the spring. And prior to the scrimmage, um, you got the fan base all worked up, drinking all of the Kool-Aid heading into the scrimmage. Uh, there's been a lot of, of, of good things coming out of practice reports as, as usual. Um, but the scrimmage kind of tells the truth and, and it, it starts to separate, you know, the men from the boys and the, in the, you see the depth chart start to come together. Um, this isn't the last scrimmage. They're going to hold another one next Saturday. And then the following Saturday will be the spring game. So we're going to look at these. We're going to look at all of this when the spring's over, but today we're going to talk about the first scrimmage. Um, Brennan, what are you hearing? First off, for context, two things. Uh, one, scrimmages are closed. That's the only part of the spring that we don't have access to are two of the scrimmages. We obviously, the third one that you mentioned, the spring game, we have access to. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is through talking to different sources, people in attendance, whatnot. Uh, so everything that we wrote you know, was was not firsthand, I saw it with my own eyes, as opposed to the practice reports. Before we get into Correct. the scrimmage recap, Josh, you've been reading the practice reports what do you think I think of the team and what do you think people keep talking about Kool-Aid? How, how do you think I view the team say from like a win loss perspective? Well, first of all, I think you do such a great job in writing the practice reports that the fan base um, kind of escalates them. Like you, you, you use very colorful words and writing to describe plays and, and, and scenarios, which is great. Um, but I think, Anytime we mention anybody's name, 
the fan base will escalate it to a higher degree. You know what I mean? They in the comment section um, on the message board, everybody, you know, oh, Brendan mentioned Tate Rodemaker. That means Tate Rodemaker is going to press Jordan Travis for this. No, it doesn't mean that. It just means that he's looked better than you've seen him look in any previous practice. And you've seen a lot of practices. Um, and it, and, you know, it goes down the line from there. Just you mention a guy and everybody takes takes every possible angle on it and and i'll mention like a singular rep that was in, impressive and that's one rep out of you know guys are getting 50 to 60 reps in exactly. practice too. exactly and we, and we try to put as much context as possible so uh, with that in mind it's an exciting time of year though right because there is a lot of of hope there's a lot of uh it's spring it, it's renewed optimism all the time but yeah there but, you like, go. this is okay as we get into the scrimmage report here like mm-hmm. what i'm seeing is a team that from top to bottom, especially the bottom of the roster, and, and kind of saw this in tour duty, looks better. Like I think the floor, as we like to use our cliches here on on the bench, like has has been elevated some. Uh, last year we went into the season saying between a five and six win team, and that's exactly what they were. Uh, that Jacksonville State game was really just the kind of mm. change the tone of the whole year. But uh, you know, this year I going into the offseason, I was like, okay, six or seven win team. I think I'm closer to saying that if they don't win seven games this year, I think that would be a disappointment based on the talent level. But I'm not going like, so that's everything that we're saying here is like in the context of seven win team. Like, are you getting back to your bowl game? Are you continuing to move in a good direction? And can you then somehow overachieve? So as we get into the scrimmage, Josh, uh, the, the feedback was, I mean, it sounded like a scrimmage. The defense was pretty, pretty strong early on. I guess Jordan Travis did some good things, both in red zone drills. Like he scored a couple times, once uh, with a nice toss at the back of the end zone to Cam McDonald. Then he scrambled or kept the ball on an option play. So it wasn't a scramble, it was an option and scored. And then once they got into full team stuff, uh, there were some drops early on. Like the offense didn't sound super cohesive. They had struggled with pressure. It's not like Jordan was really like the only kind of consistent thing on the first couple drives. Uh, Trey mm-hmm. Shepard had one or nice, one or two nice runs, and so like every time we talk about the offense doing poorly, that means the defense did something well. Eventually, it sounds like there was a, a good amount of back and forth, which I think has been consistent this spring. Josh is that there, if a unit or a, an entire like group like the defense dominates for a stretch, the offense responds, and that's what we saw. Apparently, I didn't see it myself on Saturday is that there was back and forth, which I think is ultimately good as, as guys make plays and guys figure out ways to, to move the ball or to get stops. And, and that's mm-hmm. something that you want to see as a program. So it sounded, you know, like a, like a scrimmage. Yeah. And I, and I picked up some info as well. I heard it was very situational to start. I believe that they, you know, did a lot of red zone. Um, they were placing the ball at the 40 at the 50, um, it wasn't just a wide open scrimmage. I don't, I don't think um, like, no, I think it was situational. Yeah. Yeah. Early on. I think Orville said as much. And I did hear that the offense got off to a slow start talking to a a source on on the offensive side of things. You know, they believe that they got off to a a bit of a slow start um, came together a little bit, but like you said, first scrimmage, a lot to work on. Um, I was told that Jared verse stood out. I I know we're going to get to, to some players here. Um, but the transfers are always interesting. This is their first bit of action of live action in Dote Campbell stadium. And, um, you know, I heard verse was, was, was there, was violent, was ju- getting off the ball very quickly and, um, really sh- showed, showed well, I think the whole defensive line showed out. And yeah. again, you guys have been reporting this ain't nothing new, but it sounds like the strength of the team right now. 
especially the interior, the defensive line with Robert Cooper and Fabian Lovett. And those guys didn't go a ton on Saturday because you know what you're getting with those two at, at this point. They're both veterans and multi-year starters and, and handle their business as well. But yeah, the defensive line, and you mentioned transfers. I mean, Jared Verse, hearing good things about him. Even on Thursday's practice, Josh, there was a play where like he peeled off as a pass rusher and Jordan Travis scrambled. He hawked down Jordan Travis. Like he chased him down and like speed like was evident. Like he he's getting better and better. His Tuesday practice was dominant. It sounds like that carried over into Saturday's scrimmage. So he's as advertised. Another transfer yeah. at the front seven, Tatum Bethune. We'll get into that. Like he just keeps doing things that are impressive. It's like on offense, we'll again get into it. Like some of the transfers, uh, skill position players, they're elevating the position mm-hmm. but it seems like knock on wood right now <laughs> florida state has hit on most of its transfer portal additions that have arrived uh in the spring that's great to hear so let's stay on the offensive side of the ball before we get to into the defense um speaking of transfers wide receivers uh what did we hear coming out of the scrimmage in terms of transfer wide receivers making an impact so let's start off with Micah Pittman because he has kind of ascended. This has been a pretty consistent like last three practice or so. He's moving in a direction where he's he's making a highlight player to each practice. And that was the case on Saturday. Saturday, I was told one of the best plays of the day came on a corner pattern where he beat a corner one-on-one. Uh, Jordan Travis, which he's done consistently this spring, and it sounds like he was really consistent with this throughout the entirety of Saturday's scrimmage finding the guy in a one-on-one situation, kind of reading the defense, understanding what the play is pre-play, uh, what where the ball needs to go. Saw it, saw uh, Micah Pittman isolated on a corner pattern, put the ball up for where he could get it. And then Pittman not only made the catch, but then bulldozed a safety as well to get into the end zone. So Pittman continues to shine. Uh, told you know, they, they weren't doing live punt returns from my understanding, but he continues to field the ball as a punt returner very cleanly, which is... Uh, should be music to to your ears and, and AFSU fans. Yeah, he's he's doing that aspect of the game pretty consistently. So yeah, he was good. Uh, we got some feedback that Johnny Wilson was really physical, winning fifty uh, fifty contested balls, which is what you want to see from that six foot seven wide receiver. Mm-hmm. I feel like when we talk about Johnny Wilson, Josh, we're always going to say he's six foot seven, uh, but that is a part of his game. Yeah, and again, that's uh, been a couple practices in a row where the size and physicalities kind of jumped out at you uh, on thursday's practice there was a play where he was running like a skinny post and a db was trying to slow him down and literally grabbed his undershirt and was stretching it and johnny wilson was still pulling away from him and was able to jump up in the air catch it with one hand bring it down and it's just that's kind of that's why you brought that guy to florida state i, I heard deuce span had at least one pretty bad drop and that's kind of been with him it's like he gets open he has this great speed he doesn't catch the ball super naturally right now he's a project we'll see if that can be continued to be refined as the uh as the as the offseason kind of continues so let's see if he's he's a guy who could help you this year or not uh with with the transfer wide receivers josh do you have any updates on winston right while we're talking about transfer guys yeah we know he's moving back to tallahassee um i was told that he has had some sort of procedure done uh we'll work to confirm that but there's Basically, what I'm hearing now, and obviously this is very early in the recovery process, is that he could be back by by the fall um, and way far out now. But I'm thinking in terms of um, I think it, best case scenario would be he's back rehabbing by the start of the season. 
you know, on a, on pace to maybe return for this season. I think that right now is what I'm hearing is a possibility, but it's obviously very early. Um, we know he is returning to Tallahassee or has returned to Tallahassee. So we'll try to find out more in the coming days, but that's what I'm hearing right now. You know, it's not apples to apples, but so I'll just say from my own experience, having, a Oh, it's the leg, same thing. It's the it, same damn thing. It actually is really similar. Similar, like Yes. You and Winston, right. Let's hear it. Do it. Uh, I, I got a tight. T- no, I mean, you know, no, it, I had a football injury. Uh, <laughs> and his, unfortunately, wasn't a football injury. And it sounds like he is going to be able to return to playing football. I'm saying if you have hardware inserted into your leg from a, from a mm-hmm. leg fracture, uh, and uh, that is the belief, correct, Josh? Yes, he, I believe he had. Yes, that's what I'm hearing. So you have a titanium rod put in there. You can get cleared within two or three months. Like I broke mm-hmm. my leg in May and was cleared and playing football again in August. Now I was soft and said, I'm just going to do long snapping from here on out. I don't feel like getting a helmet crashed into my leg again. But, you know, you can be back in a few months is what I'm yeah. saying. Um, so early to- optimistic outlook from what I'm hearing. Um is that there's a chance that he could play this year. All right. That, I don't think he'll be ready to go by the start of the season, um, but just I, I, hearing that I mean, the, there's a the chance. Fact, the fact that's even being considered and talked right. about is really, really great news. Just for like his like long-term you know, health as a human being to be able to mm-hmm. like, hey, you're going to be physical enough to be able to play football again. That's good for prognosis, like having a normal life. Like that's really ultimately when you, when you see like what the car accident was and hear about it, like that's, that's really good. Um, yeah. Yeah. All right. So transitioning, do we want to talk about any, Oh, do you want to talk about Trey Benson? Have you heard? Yeah, that's exactly where I wanted to go. So Trey Benson coming in from Oregon, we hear all about the knee injury. Um, Obviously Florida state checked that out when he came and visited, they, they, they took his uh, transfer commitment and Trey Benson has been out there without a knee brace, looking smooth, looking confident. What are we hearing from the scrimmage on Trey Benson? He, all, all the things you just said, smooth, confident, uh, that was on display in the scrimmage. I think he actually got a higher workload that they had anticipated. Mm-hmm. Like Trayshawn Ward did some good things early on, but they know what they're getting with Trayshawn at this point. Like he's been very solid in the spring and was very solid last year. So there's no need to, to really force feed him. You want to kind of experiment and see what else, what you have. And with Trey Benson, while they kind of started this spring on, a bit of a pitch count for lack of a better phrase for him to kind of try to try to ease him into things with the knee. I mean, that hasn't been needed and his workload has been pretty consistent. And on Saturday, I, my understanding, Josh, is he was one of the better players in all of uh, on either side of the ball. He was quick in getting outside to the edges and having some explosiveness. He was also, I think this is really important for what Florida State needs powerful in the goal line situation and short yardage situations, successful picking up short yardage runs. He, he's someone that has a lot of talent. Mike Norvell has talked about like, like say at Thursday's practice, even when he does something well, like, Hey, his tracks his is where he's reading the defense and reading the offensive line, like has to be a little bit cleaner. Mm-hmm. It sounds like on Saturday it was, and that just, he offers something that, that no one else on the roster does from a size speed perspective at the skill position and at running back. So I, I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic at this point, but like, you know, when we did our transfer ratings of like where we thought guys would, you know, would be, he was towards the bottom of the list for all of us. And it wasn't even the knee issue for us. It's just, we just didn't see a lot of explosiveness and on tape last year. If we had to redo that, he'd be much, much higher up at this point. He looks really good. Yeah. And I, 
I was told, uh, here's the exact quote uh, via text. I said, how is Benson? Quote, he did a great job today, but nothing crazy. Ran well at times, looks healthy. Yep, there you go. And that's that's what you want to hear. Is he's, he, he's Yeah, so I don't, so exactly what you're saying is getting the to, job done. to dumb it down is we feel that at this point, he's not necessarily pushing Treshawn Ward for RB1, but he is getting a lot of looks because maybe as the season goes on, he could overtake a, a Treshawn Ward. Well, or it, be a 1A, 1B type situation. I was say, the way Norvell optimally, like when his Memphis teams were clicking at their highest, Josh, they had True. three running backs that they used in different ways. Yeah, they had uh, they had Henderson as kind of like the feature back, but they had Tony Pollard as like this gadgety type of guy. And then I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Patrick Taylor as his bruising power back. Uh, okay, Moore we'll was, stay there. So who yeah. who would FSU's third beat right now? Oh, uh, I think Lawrence Toafili heard he he was you know, he kind of offers that gadgety type of role where you can kind of move him around and he has some explosiveness you know mm -hmm. we went into the spring thinking he would potentially vie to be like that the rb2 or the guy who could like take over and be a potential the you know, one a one b back. yeah but he's I don't not know, i just don't know if he's going to have that physicality to do that now he's allowed to keep getting better and whatnot i think trey benson may alleviate that some mm -hmm. and then you can kind of use Philly as that move guy where you're putting him in different places and trying to isolate him one-on-one -on, -one on the perimeter or whatnot so I, mean, I think those are the top three but man i'll be honest like there's one uh cory wren looks like he's elevating like that's legitimately moving in a good direction he looks bigger this year i know this town sounds like just cliche off-season talk but mm -hmm. I, I think he's someone that like they're going to try to get the ball to uh he's doing things well as beyond just being fast like he's catching the ball a little cleaner He's shown more confidence as a runner with some power. So he's good. But CJ Campbell, I, I swear, like, I just keep seeing good things from him in practice. And then I, he had multiple touchdowns in Saturday's scrimmage. And it wasn't just like, oh, he was against the threes. Like, the walk-on uh, from from Panama City. So he's yeah, relatively local. He's a walk-on. I think this is year two for him. I mean, he's following the Trayshawn War track of, of, of running back who shows explosiveness, shows toughness in practice in – you know, Trayshawn Ward got rewarded as the king of the spring a year ago with the scholarship. I don't know that's going to happen for Campbell this year, but he's moving in that direction. He's absolutely like belongs at this power five level. Uh, he's he's been a really nice find for them. So he's he's been I'm talking about a lot, a lot about a guy who probably is not going to play a ton this year. But I think down the road, he will be a factor in the rotation in the next year or two. Potential king of the spring I think, nominee. I think. I think he is the front, uh, the 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 clubhouse leader right now, the front runner for King of the Spring. Who would be second? Tate uh, Rotomaker right now. Oh, all right. So we want to talk about quarterbacks. No, no, just uh, King of the Spring rankings. Purely oh King of the boy. Spring. Uh, you know, Tate has had a good spring, um, but mm. not on C.J. Campbell's level. But who would be number two? It would probably be Tate. Because I think at this point. spring implies that you're going to then take over a pretty prominent role as well once you once you become the king. It doesn't necessarily. I mean, Julio McRae was king of the spring one year. Oh, that's true. I I know some people think <laughs> some people in the program don't like king of the spring. They think it's derogatory. Like you're just implying that they aren't. It just done it, you could do anything with it after becoming king of the spring. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean that you're destined not to play. I would. I think Tate's in there at number two, based on reading your practice reports. <laughs> okay, fine. T Tate's in there as king of the spring right now. 
Dude, his Thursday practice was so freaking unbelievable. It was all right, so all right, stop. It was so We're gonna, good. I'm gonna throw cold water on you here. No, later. there was three. There was three plays in a row there, and and it was, I was like, I was postcoital like with a cigarette in, yeah. in bed. You know, it was, it was, it was something. All right. <laughs> all right, let's 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 talk about some areas of concern. Let's go straight to the offensive line. Speaking of areas of concern, speaking of concern, can we edit all that out? Um, yeah, the offensive line sounds like it started off pretty sluggishly. Um, which like that's not atypical for a first scrimmage right like typically the defensive front usually has an edge i feel like early on yeah and when i when we said in the beginning that the offense got out to a slow start i think it was mainly due to the to the offensive line getting off to a slow start in the yeah, and some and some drops too i think mm-hmm. the running backs did all right when they had opportunities i think jordan was good in getting the guys in good spots i think yeah the offensive line there was a lot of pressure and then when they were able to get the ball out uh, it's what wide receivers didn't deliver so yeah the offensive line allowed more pressures than I think that they would like. And my understanding was like, there was a lot of quick pressures too. Like not just, you know, it wasn't the quarterback holding on the ball too long. It was guys getting the backfield within two seconds, which whew, that's not what you necessarily want to hear. Um, now I, I will say like, I think when you have that collective front five, like they'll be okay. Like the starters, I think the issue is when you start getting into some of the rotation and start getting into the depth a little bit. Like mm-hmm. I think you have four guys that maybe you feel good about another two or so you feel okay about uh but if you want to try to have seven or eight good depth pieces and a legit starting five just from what i've seen in practices and now with the feedback from the scrimmage josh i i don't think the depth is quite where you feel comfortable with uh yeah if you're trying to talk about this being a team that overachieves and gets beyond seven wins this year so talk about a little bit about some of the battles that are taking place let's start in the middle um, is there a battle taking place with Caden Lyles and Maurice Smith? I think the assumption for all of us, did you have Caden Lyles as your most important addition? I think. Yeah. Of the Yeah. So, and I think that we all had Caden Lyles as like really high. It's like, he's the assumption is he's going to be the starter. I don't know if he's jumped ahead yet. I, I don't think from what I was told yesterday, like, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a lock to be the starting center. I think it ultimately ends there, but he hasn't gone and, and just outright beaten Maurice Smith yet. Uh, some of that's mm-hmm. Maurice has handled it, you know, done things well. He's snapping the ball better. Yeah, I don't think we've had any practice reports where the, the snapping has just been a constant issue. It hasn't been like that where it was at times last last summer. Uh, but Caden, so the way I would explain his game is like he, he doesn't get pushed back. He does a good job moving guys when they're right ahead of him. There's just this, uh, seems like this limitation athletically to where he's not going to be able to like, when there's some speed issues, there's when there's some speed presented either with stunts or with having to climb to the second level, there's some limitations there. And that may put a ceiling, I guess, on, on what he could be and what you can do schematically if he's at center, as, as I understand it. Is, are you hearing similar stuff? Um, I'm hearing that Caden Lyles is coming along. Um, Dylan kind of gave me some insight, and I think I can share this. Uh, it's not, you know, I'm not giving away trade secrets here. But Dylan said that when he came from Notre Dame, the concepts were basically the same. The verbiage and the way they communicated was different. So he needed to learn that over the summer and study the words and what they call things. He said Caden Lyles comes over from a different scheme and different verbiage. So he said he kind of feels bad because he's he's got so much to learn. But on one hand, you know, Dylan didn't have the spring to learn. He only had the summer. 
So if we are seeing Caden Lyles maybe a little bit behind or struggling a little bit, I think we got to remember he's coming from a different scheme, different verbiage, and he does. And this is just a, a benefit of being here early is having the spring to work this out on the field. So that makes sense. I'm not concerned yet. Um, we do know kind of what you get in Maurice Smith is a more athletic but lighter center, which brings on its own problems. And then Caden Lyles, it, it, there's nothing perfect here. So Caden Lyles is not as athletic, but he is bigger and and you know stronger in some ways. So they're gonna they're gonna figure it out. Um, we're gonna keep watching the development of Caden Lyles uh, and and see how that progresses but it, it is interesting it has been interesting I, I think he's going to end up being the guy who starts at center and I think mm-hmm. he's going to be serviceable like I think his PFF grades coming in from Wisconsin were like in the 60 to 65 range and that's a replacement mm-hmm. level center I think that's like he looks great he looks like what you want your center to be I think in, again the context of last year was like a five to six win team Marie Smith was your starting center at the end of the year he was getting shoved back because he was having back issues and couldn't continue right. to, to put on weight and he was getting shoved back against Florida, against uh, Boston College. Or and he's healthy now. And he's and, that, competing. and that's where if Caden Lyles, he is healthy, he looks rejuvenated. If Caden Lyles allows Marie Smith to not have to play through injury and get worse, like as the season goes mm-hmm. on and it deteriorate, and you can like play Marie Smith in spot duty three or four games, and like that changes things in a good way. Um, so right. I, I guess what I'm saying is that Caden Lyles seems solid. I, I just, he's not. We, we put up these pictures of him, like walking into a football facility. He looks like a million bucks and like, looks like what you want your center to be as tampering expectations a ton. And I think he's going to be a serviceable starting center. He's just not wowing us like as a dominant force right now, early in spring. All right. Anything else on the offensive line moving uh, forward? You created some waves last week with a, with a scoop on, Oh, multiple things, but you mentioned Bless Harris as kind of not being the guy. I, I, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly what you said, but I think maybe we should provide a little bit of context to that because Bless has been solid, but it's been within the context of he's been solid, like for a guy who's transitioning up to the from FCS to Power Five, and it looks like he belongs at the Power Five level. You're saying that, Josh, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that he may not be the answer as you're starting right tackle yeah and that was through four practice and i've i've continued to check on bless and one of you know and i asked is is he going to be a guy that competes for the starting job is he too deep is he is he a wash and you know i was told after the scrimmage that he's he's coming on and and i talked to two people and both of them described him as violent that was one of the terms they used um he does a very fat like very uh, he gets his hands on you and he can move you jolting hands is how mm-hmm. i describe him yeah his hands are quick and he's got that to him part of me is like so intrigued it, about him at guard maybe it's uh, i don't it. you know i don't know it sounds like he's coming on i i'm not you know saying that sources can't change their mind um so yeah i think that he's 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 doing his thing right now i don't think that he's the answer as the starter um but he might, he, you know, if they don't get another addition, I, what do you think he, he could end up starting at right tackle? Uh, yeah, it seems as likely as any scenario right now. I know I'd feel great about him coming off the bench as your swing tackle. Because what's their other option right now at right tackle? Lloyd, Lloyd Willis or Darius Washington? And it, right now, I think that they want to keep Darius inside from what I'm hearing. 
And if you have to pick between Lloyd Willis right now and Bless Harris at right tackle, then it could be Bless Harris right now. I would put the money on Bless Harris. Basically, if you had to go into if game was tomorrow, I would say Bless Harris is probably your front runner mm-hmm. to start at right tackle. But remember, they took a commitment from Bless Harris in November. Mm-hmm. And even back in November, as soon as they took the commitment, their plan was to take a impact offensive tackle. Like the, there was never a moment where uh, Bless Harris was going to be the en- the end of their transfer portal class for the right. offensive line. So it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Um, but yeah, from from what I heard after day four to what I'm hearing after the scrimmage definitely stock up on on bless harris right now all right well, this is like the worst stock show this is, this is throwback getting me all nostalgic over to, here to all the right pandemic any other o-line takes before we move on to the defense nope i i think we're i think we're pretty well well set there hey one thing on the wide receivers we talked about the transfers just mm-hmm. want to say jakai douglas uh, apparently had a touchdown on saturday he just continues to be probably the most consistent performer on offense from start of camp through midway point here he's just mm-hmm. he's been rock solid uh at, he may be the king of the spring there you go because he that's he a nominee ended, he ended last season on a pretty high note and he, he could be over. but in terms of uh how much ink he's gotten i think uh cj campbell and tate rotemaker are your one and two all right, so so right now Jakai Douglas is 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 probably three third, yeah. Okay. All, All offensive right. guys, interesting. Take All right, let's get to the defense. All right, let's. What are your themes from the from the scrimmage? Any standout names? Just give me give me what you're hearing on the defense. Yeah, so the defensive front was apparently really good early on, and and more or less I think through throughout the day. I mean, we know mm-hmm. Fabian Cooper or Fabian Love and Robert Cooper are already. Uh, but they, they really kind of want to test out the depth and you know Malcolm Ray's been very solid this spring apparently some of the young guys continue to flash her Bishop Thomas's name uh, someone mentioned to me like that he he did some good things on Saturday Daniel Lyons as well but really like the edge defenders I think kind of kind of ended up as the practice went on like hearing about those guys a good deal you mentioned Jared Verse like he's as advertised and by as advertised I don't mean Jermaine Johnson People, when I see that on Twitter, it gives me cringes. Like he's not going to be what Jermaine Johnson was, but he is a power five pass rusher and yeah. defender. He's 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 not Marcus Cushney. No, he is not. He is not, and he he will be someone. I think like if he ends up not playing in the pros in a couple of years, I'd be disappointed by that development. I mean, something went wrong. I think he looks like a future NFL player. I just think there's a little bit of of time and development that still has to happen. But he looks apart. Derek McClendon. Uh, let me say that again. I kind of mumbled it. Derek McClendon has had a nice spring mm-hmm. he was apparently in the backfield fairly frequently on saturday he's someone who's had just a transformational like his, his body just looks vastly different he's lost bad weight do, lean looking now um do you low. think uh, sorry do you think we're seeing a little bit more mcclendon because briggs has been limited because uh, i've been really excited to see the briggs experiment at defensive end but no. my sources tell me to this point he is sort of limited we haven't really seen him go full throttle yet he is in there. Part of that is, you know, he had the, the leg injury last year for yeah, the Louisville cheap shot, but mm-hmm. also like they know what Dennis is. I know it's a new position, but like Dennis is a guy, like they just know the, the guys who are super professional and just handle their stuff in the off season, like get the benefit of the doubt in the spring to like, not have to try to grind through certain ailments. Uh, Dennis okay, so then when you talk about Derek McClendon getting this burn, do you think that's more of a, no. 
No, uh, Leonard Warner getting the burn is probably more. Okay. They play, they play Fox gotcha. and they play the same position. And Leonard Warner is going to help this year. I know people mm-hmm. roll their eyes. Like he'll get 20 snaps a game, set the edge well, and be someone who's probably competent. But hopefully that's the Dennis Briggs role for 2022. Yeah, hopefully that's Dennis Briggs is getting 40 snaps a game and is is the guy. Um, gotcha. No, McClendon and Jared Verse are more the field side, you know, pass rushers. And, and yeah, I think Verse ultimately becomes the guy who kind of unseats Derek. But, you know, last mm-hmm. year they used Derek in, in spot duty uh, and was kind of, he, he got forced. He had, I think, three and a half, four sacks last year. So he was mm-hmm. solid. Uh, he, there's, it looks a little different, a little twitchier. And I think he's going to be more of a co starter this year that, than a rotational guy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then Patrick Payton. Heard good things about him. He was disruptive, and he has been. Like, the length has been evident, like him getting hands up and passing lanes and disrupting. Uh, But I think he actually got a sack or two yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I think you kind of have your five defensive ends kind of figured out right now who they are. The Mm -hmm. question is, like, whether that's enough to be competitive at the Power 5 level. That's a position group. If you can get one more twitchy edge rusher type in the portal, someone who can – be a rotational guy who gets four sacks or something yeah. like that. A guy like that cushiony was supposed to be last year. I, I think you you explore that option and allocate a scholarship there. So, uh, but that group was good on Saturday. Yeah, I don't remember. <clears throat> I don't remember how many transfer portal targets Florida State landed after spring, but I do know that they landed Dylan Gibbons on May 10th, mm-hmm. and then they landed Marcus Cushney during the summer. I don't know if they there was any others. So. I'm trying to remember. I mean, Parchment was a was an early commit, but a late, yeah. you know, May enroll. And man, it would have been really good for him to get in in the spring. I think. So was Jamie year. Robinson and Keir Thomas. They both committed in January. But they were in they Jermaine were in Johnson. The Jermaine was in, was a, yeah. was in the spring. So there is a chance to impact the roster after spring. That's my point. You land Dylan Gibbons, who is a key piece to the offensive line on May 10th. Um, so even though we talk about the roster now there is room to add we think three to four more transfer portal prospects not to say that they're going to do that but there is room to add three to four more so whatever we talk about now this roster could look different in a couple months the the, the numbers always work out too is what i oh, you said that so beautifully thank you Music all right move it over to linebacker uh tatum bethune his name keeps popping up yeah man he's he's so good uh, he barely was all over the place again yesterday and you know the middle of the defense has been consistently good it was consistently good yesterday like the running backs had some success at times uh but yeah it's not easy to run inside and tatum bethune's a big reason why even like when you get into the depth a little bit and you're not rolling in cooper or love it in there and like the offenses should be able to move the ball consistently inside against reserves. Like Bethune really helps out because he's so instinctive, so quick, you know, on Thursday, Josh, like I was watching him and like, they do these cat and mouse drills where you kind of run around a cone and then you, you thud, or it's not even thudding. It's like, you kind of like lower your hands and, and mm-hmm. em- emulate a tackle. And the fan base gets freaked out every time they see that. Cause they don't really, <laughs> that's, that's what the guys are trying. Like there, there's restrictions on how often you can hit and stuff. And, and they're trying to reserve some, you know, just, don't want guys thudding constantly uh, but Bethune is so quick with the cone drills like he's faster than tight ends for sure he's faster than some wide receivers getting around the cones like so so that agility blended with the instincts and the physicality you know Adam Fuller said yesterday that when they saw the film they liked it but the question was like hey is he going to be a good fit and is he 
you know, what's he going to be like on a day-to-day basis? And Randy Shannon told him like, this guy is, is a pro. And Adam said yesterday, he's like, he's like, Randy was dead on with his evaluation because those two work together at UCF. And he's like, he's been everything that I hoped he would be in, in then some. So he's been so good. Amari Gaynor, I heard was a name yesterday, Josh. This has been a couple days of him kind of turning things on. Uh, he he seems to be kind of figuring it out a little bit. Uh, the light seems right. to have clicked a little bit for him, and, and that Good competition is is helping. So yeah, he he apparently was really disruptive yesterday. And then with Deloach and Lundy, like I, mean, I think you got four there who you feel decent about. I don't know if it's going to be a strength of this mm-hmm. defense, but I don't think it's going to be a weakness anymore as long as Bethune is is healthy on the field. But yeah, if you get Gainer all of a sudden kind of flashing and. And figuring things out like then that that's a game changer if, if that continues oh then omar graham i heard a couple good things about omar graham and that's been consistent like i don't think he's going to be a huge contributor this year but he's someone who like you hit on him i think he's going to be a decent power five linebacker for you and then moving to the defensive backfield to round out the defense um is this maybe the area of concern on the defense is the DB room, but maybe not concern, just question marks. I mean, because there's a lot of options in the DB room, but do we feel like we know who's going to take what spot at this point? So we know what Jamie Robinson's going to be. I think they're they're and they're taking it easy with him this spring. I don't think he worked a ton on Saturday. Again, that's someone you know what you're going to have, what you have with him as as a field safety potential mm-hmm. dime linebacker. So you got him. Uh, Amorian Cooper seems to be solidified as one of the starting corners, and he deserved that for the way he finished last season. He's been probably the most consistent player on defense this spring, maybe other than Tatum Bethune. I'd say Tatum's been number one. Uh, Maureen Cooper's not too far behind uh, Duke Cooper. And, and when I asked Fuller about the, the cornerback battle yesterday, it sounded very much so like Duke was kind of solidified in one of those spots. What they're doing now is trying to figure out, okay, with when you're running that the nickel uh, scheme with with five dbs which they do a good chunk of the time who are the two other corners kevin Knowles seems to be solidified as one of them but whether he's going to be inside or outside they're not entirely sure yet uh, that's kind of going to that's where the battle gets interesting do you go with renardo green at cornerback and he's moved there and has done well he's been healthy for the first time in maybe two years where he's been healthy for a consecutive stretch of you know, five months or so or do you have greedy vance working you know as a nickel guy uh, and that's what they're trying to figure out with that position group right now. Uh, there is no Jarvis Brownlee anymore in the cornerback room. Hasn't been the case this spring, but he's officially in the transfer portal. I don't think we talked about that on the podcast yet, Josh. Uh, do you want to take a moment and talk about your favorite Jarvis Brownlee moments? <clears throat> um, I, <laughs> no, you don't want to hear my favorite moments. Um, yeah, we, we haven't addressed the Jarvis Brownlee saga in its entirety yet on the podcast, Jarvis Brownlee has officially entered his name into the NCAA transfer portal. And he is also officially off of Florida state's roster at this point. So um, that whole thing has come to a conclusion at this point. We do not expect Jarvis Brownlee to return in any form or fashion. No, um, he, is, he is off the team and he is off the roster. He, he will not return. Right. So Florida state starting cornerback Jarvis Brownlee is in the transfer portal. Not totally unexpected, but I think the timing of this all has has come at a weird time. Florida State, um, well, like midway through midway through the spring, but yeah, midway through the spring, he was suspended at the beginning of the spring, and there were rumors why. Now you posed the question on Twitter: Is he an NIL holdout? Look, here's here here's the answer to this, and everybody has an idea. Nothing's ever simple. 
everybody wants to make it act, make it pinpoint it to one action or one thing. We know Jarvis Brownlee has been unhappy for a long time. I mean, they Florida State posted an award for Jermaine Johnson on Instagram in December, and he's in the comments complaining that he didn't get an award at the banquet. He deleted that, of course. But then he goes on some, to some tone deafness, there right? So then it goes on to NIL. Then it goes on to you know uh, disgruntled about the the coaches in the locker room. He's disgruntled about everything. Then you know, so it it was just one thing after another, and this was going to come to a head. Um, I think it's hard these days to kick a player off the team that's not academically compromised or hasn't done anything criminally. Um, I think it in the, these day and age of, of that, it's kind of like a big corporation with HR. You know, there's got to be several strikes for you to remove somebody off the team. But this was solved with the transfer portal and um, Brownlee opting to to leave the team. But it was definitely a mutual decision. Yeah, unhappy is a good way to describe it. Is that our scenario was there's a lot of things that were he was not thrilled with. And sometimes a relationship runs its course. And that's what this seemed like it was, it is unfortunate because I think he would have helped out this year on the field, uh, had some physical limitations, but did play hard, really good in run support. Uh, that mm-hmm. did include some whiffed tackles, but the fact he he was so aggressive, I, I think was also an asset as, as well as a weakness at times, but ultimately helped you uh, and just, yeah, forces the rest of the DB room now as we, we talk about what life after Jarvis Brownlee looks like. I, I don't think it's a... You, it's, it's not a loss that you can overcome, but just means, okay, Renardo Green has to be healthy now and you mm-hmm. can't have any setbacks with him. It means that Greedy Vance has to be a consistent contributor, whether it's as a starter or as a high-end rotational piece. It means that Demory Tate now has a chance to be in the rotation. And you know what it means more than anything, Josh, is that the true freshman, Azaria Thomas and Sam McCall, have a chance for legitimate reps as, as true freshmen. And I think that's one other takeaway from the scrimmage is you know, they got high-end reps. I was told they were working with the twos a good chunk of the practice. And Adam Fuller basically you know, spelled that out in the press conference. So I don't think I'm revealing trade secrets there. But, you know, those guys have, you know, kind of come along. I don't want to say, like, they brought them along slowly because they're getting mm-hmm. a ton of reps. But in terms of, like, putting them in the the parts of the defense rotation, I don't want to get a depth chart stuff. Uh, but those guys, I think, saw a sizable role increase on Saturday and it sounds like they handled that really well. And they have both have had really impressive moments in the spring, and they've had moments where they look like freshmen and, and they get lost out there sometimes. But uh, the talent for both of them is clear, and I think FSU feels really good about both of them. And the fact that they're both here in the spring and learning the defense now and getting acclimated to the college game, and Sam McCall especially. Like I think Azaria Thomas flashed right away the first couple of days. Sam McCall is someone like Mike Norvell said, he'll just get better and better with each practice. And damn, man, like he legitimately, like Thursday was the best practice I had seen for him. He had an interception. He was really active in perimeter run defense, had a couple PBUs. And then apparently like on Saturday, he his he had a couple, his hand was on the ball a few times. Uh, I don't think he came down with an interception, but he was he was in position a lot against, uh, you know, a higher rotational receiver than he would normally be going up against. So yeah, DB room, you're figuring some things out at cornerback, but mm-hmm. you have options there. And I was just kind of figuring out how, how consistent can you be and what's your rotation going to look like. But there's, yeah. there's upside. Yeah, and it's certainly exciting to hear about some of these young guys getting the opportunity now. How many snaps did Jarvis Brownlee have last year? About oh, was okay, it dude. on yeah. par with Greedy Vance? 
Uh, no, I mean, Jarvis Brownlee had, I would say, he had almost 800, he had more than 800 snaps. He maybe had the, like, he was probably in the top 95th percentile for cornerbacks nationally in snaps played. So mm-hmm. it's not like, it's not like you can just brush it off and be like, yeah, we'll be totally fine. Uh, but he was also a replacement level player too. Yeah, but he, I think it, I think it worked out the way it needed to work out because clearly moving forward, these issues with Brownlee, because it wasn't just one, was going to continue. But it is unfortunate because of the time invested, because you got to think if he played almost 800 snaps, how much coaching, how much time did Adam Fuller, Marcus Woodson put into Jarvis Brownlee to get him to the point where he was at? And he was continuing to develop. He was a good player, but ultimately, you know, his actions off the field and what he brought to the locker room weren't weren't going to stop. That's a good point, Josh. Oh, yeah, and I agree with the, I mean, the, the cultural part of it, like it seemed like it was what it was at that point. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like the the time invested, the development, it's not like he was stealing reps from someone who would be contributing this year. Like mm-hmm. we mentioned Renardo Green, he was at safety last year and wasn't healthy. Uh, Greedy Vance wasn't on the roster. Azaria Thomas and Sam McCall, like those are probably the first four up, like to when you look at replacements for him. And none of those guys were on the roster last year. I think that more speaks to like this room is still being, that defensive back room is still being turned over. They're still trying to to get some of the, we've talked about the position group having some cultural issues in the past. Like they're still trying to kind of work through that and cycle that out and filter that out a little bit. So I think this, that's telling It's like he had 800 something snaps and you feel like you can maybe find a guy just as talented as him pretty easily, despite him playing a ton last year. Yeah. Um, The last thing I'll say on the DB room Mm -hmm. is it's out there. It wasn't something I was going to report, but it's on the message board now at this point. Apparently, I've heard it from three people. So I normally wouldn't report stuff if we're not at practice. But if I have people telling me that this happened, uh, is that Travis J apparently got a little dinged up in the scrimmage, was on crutches afterwards. Looks like yeah, it was a leg issue. So that, that sucks because they were pushing him this spring and he was responding to it and doing everything you could ask him to do on the field. To kind of respond to, to having lost his starting spot last year so hopefully i don't have any word other than that but it, it was out there josh and, and yeah it's i don't okay. find the need to hide from it because it, it is out there on the board right now we can't confirm it we'll see how it goes anything else from the scrimmage though no, i'm looking over my notes right now and we have a pretty comprehensive report up on Knowles 24 7 we'll continue as we talk to sources over the weekend and the week about those scrimmage get more context for it we'll keep adding to it but I know I think the scrimmage was a scrimmage. I mean, it mm-hmm. was there was good, there was bad, which is any case there's a scrimmage. But I think in general, the continual theme is floor being elevated a little bit, uh, more explosiveness, more back and forth. Uh, seven wins is, is what you're aiming for. And I think that's kind of what, what this team looks like right now. We'll see if they can get anything more than that. All right, good. Uh, we will be back this week. How many, how many practices? We go Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday again this week? Correct. Tuesday and Thursday will be open. We'll have you know, media availability as well after practice for those. And Saturday will be a scrimmage that'll be closed. And we'll see if we can get stuff timely information again for the scrimmage. But yeah, yeah that's the that's the schedule this week. All oh, right. Pro Day this week is coming up as well on the 29th. Was that? That's Tuesday. So we'll have Pro Day as well. Pro Day. Long day. Yep. All right. Well, there's a ton of news up on Knowles 24-7 heading out of the scrimmage. Mike Norvell spoke. Some of the coaches spoke afterward. You guys can see those videos up on the site. Um, Florida State also landed a 2024 commitment, a quarterback out of Georgia, Luke Crumman Hawk, I believe is how you say it. (laughs) 
a peek behind the curtain, Josh and I uh, took turns uh, debating who would have to pronounce the name. I was like, Brendan, how do you say this quarterback's last name? And the first thing you said was, I hope you, I was hoping you would know. <laughs> so Luke Cromanhawk, who is out of Georgia, he's a 2024, six foot four, 185 pound quarterback from Savannah, attends Benedict Military School. Um, Benedict, he committed yesterday. Benedict, no, Benedictine. Benedictine Military School. And um, he was offered by Florida State last summer. He's visited FSU numerous times. We will talk more about him on the next podcast. I know there's also a lot of visitors on campus, including five-star wide receiver Jalen Brown. He's visiting FSU today as we take this on Sunday. So maybe Monday or Tuesday, I'll sit down with Zach and we'll recap everything going on in recruiting. But until then, for Brendan Sinone, I am Josh Newberg. Thank you for listening to another episode of On the Bench. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road, any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.